This show furnished by Key Light Counseling Center. Are you looking for an alternative to drug and alcohol rehabilitation that allows you to recover in the privacy of your own home with an individualized program that meets your specific needs? Concierge Detox LA can be that alternative. Headed by medical addiction specialist Dr. Damon Raskin and clinical psychologist Dr. Howard Gloss, Concierge Detox LA will design an individualized program to meet your recovery needs. For more information, contact Concierge Detox LA at 323-935-9712. Although you will be receiving valuable advice from our hosts, it does not replace a relationship with a qualified mental health or medical professional. I'm Dr. G. And I'm Dr. Raskin. And we're here with The Solution. So every week what we like to do is we like to look at our world from a deeper perspective. And many times Dr. Raskin and I will talk about what's going on and then we'll find a subject that's interesting to us and then form a question. And tonight what we wanted to focus on was this concept of uh, internet addiction. Our question that I want to ask to our upcoming panel and also to our audience tonight is, are you a cyber junkie? Now, I know our panel are cyber junkie, but they're going to help us understand what a cyber junkie is. So if you want to call into the show, the number is 1-800-222-5222. That's 1-800-222-5222. You can also email us at engage790 at gmail.com. That's engage790 at gmail.com. And like I said, the question that we're asking tonight is, are you a cyber junkie? And I wanted to share how uh, I came up with this concept when I was talking to Dr. Raskin about it, was I told him about a friend of mine. His son was in treatment for actually a sex addiction. But what was interesting to me, he was at college, and he... um he was having these sex parties online, but no one was ever physically meeting each other. <laughs> so I thought that was such a sign of the time. At least it was safer sex, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> new right. form of protection. A, a new form of protection. <laughs> you never get to meet anyone. <laughs> it's true, actually. It's a way to prevent sexually transmitted diseases because you're not in the same country sometimes. Exactly. But what was interesting to me, too, as a psychologist was this sense of how disconnected Mm -hmm. these young people were and there was uh, no really need for real attachment that they had grown up with the internet and for many of them that was their form of attachment that's something that stuck out to me and also uh, as I got to talk to my friend a little bit more we discovered there was a lot of underlining depression and there was a dual diagnosis of drug addiction so the sex addiction was much more complex than just uh, you know him spending a lot of time on the internet. Sure. And that's what I wanted to delve in tonight. And I wanted to bring my panel on immediately because they're all experts in their field. I'm excited to have them on. So, of course, there's Dr. Damon Raskin. He's an addiction specialist and an internist and my co-host for the show. Yes. So, Damon, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy you're here. I wouldn't be the same without you. Thank you. (laughs) I wouldn't have a (laughs) co-host. And then we have uh, Dr. Uh, Bob Gabay. He is a the chief medical director, attending child and adolescent psychiatrist at Destination for Teens, 
Can I call you Bob tonight? No problem. We're going to go great. by first name. Sounds Dr. wonderful. G. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. And then we have Lauren Dummett. She's a licensed marriage family therapist and a sex therapist, clinical director, and co-founder of Triune Therapy Group and a former radio show host So yep. here at KBC. So I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you. And we have Dan Fields. He's a licensed clinical social worker. His specialty is gambling addiction. So, and he's also at UCLA, the gambling studies program. So, Dan, it's a pleasure to have you here. Happy to be here. So, actually, I'm going to start with Lauren. And I want, you know, you heard what I said about the sex addiction. Yeah. And you're an expert in sex addiction. So, I wonder what your thoughts are about what I had to say. And then I'm going to open it up to the panel. Yeah, I'm actually a certified sex addiction therapist as well. And one of the things that I've noticed is this um, recent trend in the lack of intimacy that goes on with texting and with sexting and sexting and all of that. And I have many, many clients, especially young people that aren't even dating, but they're actively sexual, but it's just not with another person. They have different relationships that go on with video chat and they're basically using words and masturbation and the video chat to connect. But there's such a disconnect you know, yeah, it's it like becomes... a connect and a disconnect at right. the same time. Right. Yeah, I was wondering, uh, Bob, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing in um, teenagers and adolescents, more of them growing up with nothing but the Internet and social media. And a lot of them, this is where they go to find their identity, to try to fit in. And that's also where they can also be a victim of cyberbullying um, and a lot of negative comments. But again, these days you can just go to any restaurant or cafe where teenagers hang out and a lot of them are not even having conversations they're literally just staring at their phones yeah and communicating with who knows who i'm sure you've seen this too a lot of times you'll have four people at a table and they're all on the phones it's it's amazing yeah if you you, just pay attention you can watch the whole restaurant and it happens quite frequently yeah (laughs) and you always wonder are they just texting each other instead of talking Mm -hmm. to each other dr raskin and dan what are your thoughts well, my my thought is that I see a lot of patients with what I call an internet addiction or a computer addiction, or they're addicted to their phone. You can just say that that that's what's going Device on. Addiction. And I think just so that we're all on the same page, this is the continued use, and it doesn't have to be a phone, but you know any sort of addiction is the continued use of something or doing something that you know you shouldn't be doing at the expense of family or at the expense of going somewhere or at the expense of other activities like exercise that you should be doing. And that's one of the definitions that I use for my patients when I'm trying to explain any addiction. But what it does when you have this over and over, it produces these feelings and these changes in your brain. It's actually a brain disease. Mm -hmm. And it can happen, of course, with drugs. And we're not even talking about a drug tonight. We're talking about you know, the internet or a computer or your phone. So it's it's very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of the research I've written, I, I've written, I wish, <laughs> a lot of the research I've read is that, uh, you know, this continual use of, of behavioral addiction a lot of times will create certain chemicals in your brain that mimic a drug or oh, right. It, it produces dopamine, which is right. that pleasurable, happy feeling that you're supposed to get with things like sex or chocolate, uh, but they're <laughs> they're getting from checking their email. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And Dan, uh, you work a lot in gambling addiction, so I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Yeah, I, I, you know, when I delve a little deeper, I find that people that are gambling online are also swiping online, mm-hmm. doing Tinder and getting a bit of a dopamine hit from each new image and then doing some fantasy football on the side and then back to some pornography. So they all kind of mix. But there's something intoxicating about the rush between money imagery, the potential for a big payout that also is mesmerizing with the phone. What do you think is intoxicating about it? Um, I think there's just the potential, if you love sports, for example, of watching the game and being on the edge of your seat for what's going to happen next within the football game. And right now, people aren't just betting on the outcome of a game. They're betting throughout the game. So, you know, what's going to happen at the end of the first quarter, what the next play is going to be. Um, So just the rush that any gambler gets from being in action, just liking the feeling of winning and making money. And the problem is it used to be that you had to go to Vegas to do this. Now you can just do this anywhere. Mm -hmm. We could be doing it right now while we're on the radio. We could be, but we're not. We're not. Well, a lot of people are in the workplace. Mm -hmm. They are on their phone, uh, gambling and making money. There's also this belief that somehow you're going to, it's like you're working for two people. You're gambling, so-called making money, and also you're at the job. And you can do this on your phone without your employer. Well, that's what my friend was telling me. The reason he found out about his son is because he was failing all his classes. He literally Mm -hmm. wasn't going to his classes. Mm -hmm. And then he got uh, through the online community it created got into trouble with uh, with certain drugs. I want to remind our listeners one thing. If they have questions or if they want to call in, I think it would be great. So give us a call at 1-800-222-5222. Again, that's 1-800-222-5222. That's very good, Dr. Haskin. I appreciate that. So it's the high that I, I feel like everyone's searching for. And I would say the go high ahead. is also yes. very prevalent because you don't have to go out I mean, it's it's it's, it's, at, your it's at your phone. I mean, you p- put a post on Facebook, and there's that high associated with someone liking it, or if ten people liking it, or a hundred people like it. Right, it really it fuels people's self esteem, mm-hmm. regardless but, of what they put on, and then they get disappointed if you that's don't the get problem. That Especially either. these adolescents, they they they're hoping for likes, and what happens when they don't get any? Yeah, a lot actually. I've I've dealt with. They'll come in and they'll be depressed. It's so interesting mm-hmm. to me that you know they didn't get as many likes, and I'm always thinking, but those people sort of don't really exist. Like they're not. They're there, but they're not there. Just because they tapped you to give you such a strong feeling of fulfillment to me is I just find it. Well, very and when I like something, it's like very like oh. Yeah. It's not it's intentional. Not like deep, it's not like, oh, I really love liking. this person. Right. It's just so coincidental, you know, and so random. And that's what they're getting their self-esteem from. But that, that's from. so important to right. many of these right. kids. Right. Right. For both kids and adults. I mean, and especially if you are a kid who's at school and don't quite fit in, you can create your own online persona, which cannot well, be realistic. Right. right. Well. You create an imaginary sense of self that you project to the world. Uh, we're going to stop in a minute and take a break, but I want to repeat that number again that Dr. Raskin said. It's 1-800-222-5222. That's 1-800-222-5222. Excuse me. Our question we're asking tonight, are you a cyber junkie? If you are, you need to call in. We have a panel of experts, and we'll be back right after the commercials. (laughs) 
Are you looking for an alternative to drug and alcohol rehabilitation that allows you to recover in the privacy of your own home with an individualized program that meets your specific needs? Concierge Detox LA can be that alternative. Headed by medical addiction specialist Dr. Damon Raskin and clinical psychologist Dr. Howard Gloss, Concierge Detox LA will design an individualized program to meet your recovery needs. For more information, contact Concierge Detox LA at 323-935-9712. You're listening to The Solution with Dr. G and Dr. Damon Raskin. I'm Dr. G and I'm here with The Solution with Dr. Damon Raskin. Yes, we are. And um, we're asking tonight, are you a cyber junkie? I'm excited to have our panel uh, with us tonight. They are Dr. Bob Gabay, Lauren Dummett, Dan Field, Dr. Raskin, and myself, Dr. G. And what I wanted to throw out to the panel is this uh, concept of cyberbullying. Again, to me, what's interesting about it is the anonymity of it. And because of the anonymity of it, I feel like people can get a lot more vicious and, uh, you know, and a lot more damaging. So I'm wondering, uh, Dr. Gabay, in your program, if you've experienced a lot of issues with teens having difficulty with cyberbullying. Uh, yeah, we've had a lot of experience with that. A lot of kids who have been traumatized, um, that might start getting reported throughout the school. They start getting labeled. And once it's online, it's there permanently. It's different than someone just gossiping in the back of the room or the bathroom. And it can really be very harmful, especially depending on how many people might fuel on or pile on the comments. And like you said, some it can be both anonymous and um, out in the open. Um, you but have the a lot idea of, that it can stay there permanently is so interesting. Right, to me. And, and people can take screenshots and you can complain about it. But again, you know, they are, there's a lot of methods to try to regulate it. But again, it's still in the infancy on starting to police all of this. And so keep kids if safe. you're out there and you've been a victim of cyberbullying, we'd love to hear from you, hear about your experience, share it with our panel of experts, and maybe they can give you some good advice. The number is one 800 2225222 that's 1-800-222-5222 and uh Dan or Lauren your thoughts about this concept of cyberbullying cuz you know in the old days you actually had to see the person that was bullying Oh my you. god I'm so glad social media did not exist when I was in high school uh, why? like the worst thing people could do was they'd make a flyer about you and like right. send it no. around the school but it's not even the same scale. That's one piece of paper and, at a time. You know, and I, it doesn't last forever. It no. doesn't. And I see a lot of adolescents who, I mean, obviously the ones I'm seeing have not committed suicide. But I would say many of the adolescents that I see at least have one friend who has because of the cyberbullying. And that's a serious issue, you know, that it destroys someone so badly. I mean, high school kids are mean. And then you put it on the internet and it's broadcasted to everyone. And it's just such a level of... You know, humiliation, well, humiliation that they, and yeah. trauma. Dan, your experience with I it. mean, I've worked in residential treatment for gambling and drug addiction with young people. And I think one of the rules we were talking about before the show is to take the phones away from adolescents and young adults because there's just too much information that can be upsetting. And um, Bob was telling me that, you know, people go out, they hang out with their friends or family, they grab a phone, they find out that people have been talking about them and then, you know, they they have an episode or they go south. You know? Yeah, what about this concept of information overload? Because, you know, you may not have the skills to be able to process all the information and then the trauma that comes with that. 
because there's so much, you know, there's so much information available to someone who's young so quickly without always having the skills to be yeah. able to deal with it. And I think some of this trauma that happens with cyberbullying is one of the triggers that can often lead to an addiction because we see how common it is with alcohol, drugs, and, and, and it's such an epidemic now with, with kids and adolescents trying so many different things. And this is just another trigger, like we needed another one, right? right. right. But this exactly. is just it's, another it's trigger right. where you can you know sustain trauma, which could lead to not wanting to feel, which leads to, okay, well, what substance can I use that's around? Uh, to help me not feel this bad. So what right. are the ways someone can actually deal with trauma? That would be a good question, Bob. So to deal with trauma, I mean, really having a trusted person you can talk to, whether it's a therapist, a parent, using your example of cyberbullying, you know, you can have parents who all of a sudden start monitoring all of a, a child's internet or social media, but then that will just have the kid sort of hide or go right, to right, a fake Facebook do account. I think right. really having an understanding of being open of someone that you can talk to or reporting and just ignoring it. Sometimes you think you have to react and just ignoring it lets let the next fad or the next wave of social media. So what advice then, would you give to a parent who's dealing with a kid who's been cyberbullied? Uh, thoughts? Um, I would really have them talk to them and ask them how it's affected them and what they're going through. Rather than like blaming them, why were you using the computer or mm -hmm. your phone after midnight? Just to really allow them to open up and talk so and not that, be blaming. That trust. Uh, and, and Dan? I mean, simply listen, create a place where a you're place. not feeling judged and where you can get the information and not get freaked out about it and let the child, adolescent, to open up about what happened, you know? And to get support if there are concurrent symptoms or. Talks and not and not shame them in oh, the experience of they're already shamed enough exactly right, exactly exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, Lauren well, I see you shaking your yeah head. I mean that's <laughs> what I was going to say you were talking about how it leads to you know a further trigger to addiction and I think shame is one of the most intolerable feelings that we experience as humans and it's so shaming and then so many parents in, in an attempt to protect their kids they get angry and shame them more instead right. of really trying to connect and understand and provide empathy and like love and comfort, which is just what the child needs. And obviously there's so many resources available. Um, but first and foremost, I think the parents need to be there as like a source of soothing and comfort instead of just further adding on the shame. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about what you just said, that there are resources out there. I'm going to ask mm -hmm. my two medical doctors. So if you were dealing with issues of trauma, let's say from a medical standpoint, how would you approach it? Let's say Dr. Raskin. Well, I think the, the most important thing is uh, referring to a good therapist. Right. Um, I think making sure that, they're, that they do have someone non-judgmental who is a professional who can um, just listen, really, uh, and perhaps start redirecting their, their thoughts. And, uh, but also, doing aren't it. there some good medications that parents should be... Oh, sure. I mean, absolutely. I mean, as far as adolescents, I like to use medications as a, as a last resort, uh, only really if someone is suffering from a severe uh, depression or uh, if you consider that they could be bipolar, then you want to get them properly evaluated by a, a child or adolescent <laughs> psychiatrist like Dr. Gabay, for example. Yeah, so I mean what I would say is um, to really f figure out what the target symptoms are, what else is going on, whether there is depression, anxiety with the trauma, are there sleep disturbances, um, if a teenager is not getting enough sleep because they're so overwhelmed, 
that can function their mental health and overall wellness. But you also want to make sure they're not using other recreational substances because mm -hmm. substance abuse can often mask as a psychiatric <laughs> disorder. So you want to really do a good medical evaluation and get a, a urine tox screen, find out what substances are in their body as well. Exactly. You know, I don't, uh, Dan, um, I was going to share a story with you. So I have a nephew that has a gambling addiction. I remember how, uh, I was with my First of all, my brother decided to do a family vacation in Vegas and take his children, <laughs> which was such an odd choice when you really think about it, when his son has a gambling addiction. But it was so powerful to me. Like, I remember we were all having dinner, and his son got up to go to the bathroom, and my brother turned to me and said, can you follow him to the bathroom? Because I'm afraid he's going to go into the casino. That's how powerful it was for him. I'm wondering if you can share maybe some stories or uh, experiences you've had similar with adolescents or even adults dealing with a gambling well, addiction. Well, I found ironically, like a lot of drug use, a lot of gambling, a lot of gamblers go to Vegas in silence or away from the family. You Surreptitiously, know, they, they, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. they, they hide their gambling. So I was just talking to a client last week and he was talking about going to Vegas with his family. He said it was a piece of cake in that context not to gamble because it was just <laughs> there were just too many family dynamics going on. So it's a shameful hidden addiction. People will take a plane, you know, 10 a.m. to Vegas be playing roulette and blackjack to be back home with the kids by late afternoon. What, so, what makes it a shameful addiction, in your opinion? I think there's something particularly difficult about the financial devastation. You know, we okay. they walk away uh, broke or in debt. And fair or not fair, we look at each other based on how much money we have. And gamblers typically have a very sort of distorted view of what money is worth and what it says about a person. So they're trying to reclaim their identity, their personality, and feel better about themselves by winning the money that they lost. And they're just, you know, digging a deeper and deeper hole. And unfortunately, money is not the solution. It's patience, therapy, and looking at gambling for the you know disease that it is. I have, a, I have a question for Dan. So I treat a lot of patients with opiate addiction, heroin, and pills, and I always ask them when I first meet them about how it started, and they have different stories. Sometimes it's because the doctor prescribed something, and then they really liked the feeling, or sometimes they got it from friends at a party, and they started. So I kind of am interested in that. But what about gamblers? I mean, how does that often start, and, and how do they become addicted, do you think? It varies from person to person, but... Sometimes it happens in the family, you know, with sports betting particularly. You know, a dad and son go to a game. Son knows the dad put a wager on a game. There's that sort of There's that bonding, bonding. the father-son bonding. Yeah, there's bonding right. and it gets mixed up in the gambling activity. And then there's just a sort of culture of gambling, of sports betting and poker playing in high school and college. And then the affiliation with, with other young gamblers. And so there's that component. Um, sometimes there is the slot player who hmm. is just having a hard time with with their marriage or with work, and they just want to zone out. What a way to hypnotize yourself with the slot machines, hmm. right? Yeah, they, it's like they're hypnotized. So sometimes it's a totally different thing, and the, the addiction doesn't kick in until 30s and 40s. Hmm. Yeah, we're. I just want to tell our audience we're talking about cyber junkies. Asking the question out there: Are you a cyber junkie? Our number to call in is one eight hundred. Two 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 five two two two. That's one eight hundred 
222-5222. We're going to take a break in a minute, but one of the things I wanted to talk about when we get back is when I mention this to people about the concept of Internet addiction, it's like they don't take it seriously. It's not, they'll go, oh, well, it's not like it's a drug or alcohol addiction. And what I'm starting to understand, and I want our audience to understand that this is a very serious addiction. And a lot of times can have just as much damage as an addiction with a substance or with alcohol. So we're going to address that when we get back. I'm Dr. G. I'm Dr. Raskin. And we'll be back right after the commercials. You're listening to The Solution with Dr. G and Dr. Damon Raskin. I'm Dr. G. I'm Dr. Raskin. And we're here with The Solution. The question we're asking tonight is, are you a cyber junkie? And we're trying to understand it from both a psychological and medical standpoint. We have a panel of experts. Our number is 1-800-222-5222. That's 1-800-222-5222. And actually, Dr. Raskin has a question for Lauren, so I'm going to let him take over. Well, I was thinking uh, about this topic of, of Internet addiction and your specialty in sex addiction, and I was thinking that you're, you must have been getting so much business with these hookup apps that are so easily available now where people don't necessarily even go online to date. They go online to have sex, right? Both, um, you know, all kinds, right? There's there's Tinder, there's Grinder, there's male, 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 female, doesn't matter whatever you're into. You can just swipe, find someone and hook up, not necessarily even for a date. And how has that affected your business? Absolutely. There's even threesome apps. Like hmm. if you want to have a threesome, oh, there you is? go on an app and Wait, you find a, part- an a, a third partner. You know? I I mean, know. It's like, and then there's all these acronyms and initials. Yeah. You have to like know the I, lingo. And I would love to have a caller call us and tell us if you're addicted to these apps. I think that there's yeah. a lot of them out there. Uh, oh, Absolutely. I and I, I would love time. to hear mm-hmm. someone call in. Just, what's, what's the number again, Howard? Uh, the number is one eight hundred two 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 five two two two. But please continue, Lauren. And then we are actually going to take a caller. Oh, His name is Neil. We're going to take him in a minute. But I just, okay. I just wanted to hear. Yeah, you know, I actually see it happen a lot with clients that I'm working with that are in recovery from another addiction. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's really like the underlying attachment issue. And as they recover and are looking, are having to feel their feelings again, they're trying to escape. And it's like that anxious attachment, the preoccupied attachment where they're looking for that immediate hit. And it can become devastating, devastating because right? yeah. it's but not then real. The but they then they get that hit, it's mm-hmm. like they get a high. They get the, yes, I've absolutely. had to actually ask patients to put their phone away because they're on those apps mm-hmm. while they're in a therapy session. Wow. And they'll pick up their phone and say, oh, I just need to get this. Mm-hmm. And because I, I can hear it going off. Mm-hmm. And the quality, what you said, the attachment is so interesting to me. That right. The type of attachments people are forming. They're, they're really not real. I want to bring Neil on, and I want to welcome him to the show. Uh, Neil, Hi, it's you? a pleasure to have you on. Yes, Dr. G, it's nice to talk to you. Listen, um, here's the thing. I'm in recovery for drug addiction, um, and I've I seen the cyber addiction thing. But what I do uh, have a question about, I have um, nephews, okay, great nephews right. that that are um, making parlay bets with their grandfather right now, and he's letting them make parlay bets. And um, you know, this is what really do you mean? I'm not sure what you mean by parlay bets. Okay, parlay. Okay, in sports betting, uh, there's a thing called a parlay where you pick four teams. 
and all of them have to win, right? Mm. So not only are you betting on one game, then the next, then the, so you're what it's like, it's like going from snorting cocaine to free base. Okay. So the kid, uh, the kids are, one's a jock. The other one's very artistic. They're paternal twins. And the one that's the artistic one is starting to win and it's, it's going to go into their college fund, but isn't this sending a really dangerous kind of a, a message that well, I think it's okay it, because actually let me let me yeah. throw that out to our panel because I'm going to ask my uh, Dan, our uh, uh, gambling expert, to address this. Well, the winds don't last, and the winds send a message to the brain that gambling is an activity that it is going to bring on money. Um, over time, in the aggregate, it's going to lose money. Sports betting is not a skill-based game. It's a, it's a game of chance like everything else. Also, what's problematic is that uh, grandkids are gambling with grandpa, and it's an unhealthy, very addictive um, activity. So I would recommend that they get help. And it's not something that is. Yeah, and it's know, not really light. the kind of bonding you want to have. No, you no, don't no. want to bond over gambling. Well, and if you look at it from a nervous system perspective, it's also an overcoupling. So you have connection with grandpa connected with gambling. Absolutely. And so it's a feeling of connection paired with gambling, and then it's an overcoupling, which they're always trying to recreate. Yeah, Bob, I wonder what your experience is with this. Yeah, with um, with the teenagers I work with, you see a lot of problem behaviors that come from the parents. Sure. Parents are complaining about the kids spending too much time on screens media. The example you gave earlier, you're in the session with the parent, parents on their phone or are distracted. And a lot of times the kids will say, mom or dad spends X number of hours on the phone, on screens, on the computer. So a lot of it is just, this is what our kids are watching and observing and they're adapting the behaviors they see. Yeah, they're modeling. They're, yeah, and I'm wondering what that adaption modeling. is going to eventually create mm -hmm. because it's going to bring out other addiction. And yeah. as Neil said... And you brought up information overload earlier. Everyone thinks they can multitask. A lot of studies show multitasking is a myth. We perform really worse when we insist on multitasking. So I think there's a lot of, as you said, nervous system, a lot of... Um, cognitive and a lot of thinking and processing issues that are coming down the way That's that are right. not going to work you know, out. I, I always think about when I was in you know school and high school especially, we had to do projects. You had to go to the library and you had to look <laughs> things up in a card catalog. And the, But there was a lot of interesting things that you had to be able to learn how to do skills. You mean that, talk to other people? Yeah. And have a team. Yeah, resources that you had. Now you just push a button on your phone, right, right. and get the information. And so you're losing a lot of that interaction with other other people, but also these skills that I think could lead you to better and, and higher educational activities later on in life. Yeah, you know, I'm wondering, Dr. Raskin, you have two kids and yeah. you see them on, on their devices. Yeah. Do you see a difference in, let's say, their behavior as opposed to what you experienced when you were a kid? Yeah, I think so. You know, they're doing their homework on the computer. Obviously, I was never doing my homework on the computer. Um, but we have to limit, you know, as parents, right? I think you, Dr. Gabay can, well, I can help me. I have three children you, myself. You have so. to limit what they're doing on the computer. You have, to know, you have to know what they're doing on the computer. You have to be, you know, knowledgeable. There are apps that you can actually find out what your kid is doing, you know, and limit their phone. Uh, well, I want to uh, thank Neil for calling in. I think uh, we really appreciate you sharing the information, and that actually opens up a line. So our number here is 
1-800-222-5222. That's 1-800-222-5222. And we are talking about cyber junkies and cyber addiction. Before we go on, I want to mention that our sponsor, Sand and Shores, they're a PR firm. And if you want to have your story told with a strong connection, sort of what we're talking about here with attachment to a real audience, I would recommend Tanya at Sand and Shores. Uh, she knows how to target her audience to grow her business and create strong public images. Her name is Tanya McKenzie. The company is Sand and Shores. The number is 424 424- Two six two one nine two zero. That's four two four two six two one nine two zero. As I said, we have some lines open. We'd love to hear from you. So let's talk a little bit about treatment because we've been talking about these issues about internet addiction, etc. So some thoughts. Let me talk with Lauren. When you're working with someone uh, who has a sex addiction, I want to make this clear to audience too. A lot of times when you're working with someone who has a sex addiction, you may have multiple addictions. They could have a gambling addiction. They could have a drug addiction. They can have alcohol addiction. They can have a shopping addiction. They can be addicted to a lot of different behaviors. So I'm wondering how you approach it. Well, I think first of all, we would start with a psychosexual an assessment to see what is going on, what, what is personality, what is psychological, what are the addiction issues underlying the problem. And when we talk about sex addiction, you know, there's sex addiction, there's porn addiction. Some people consider them the same. Many people consider them separate. And I think the treatment is often a little bit different, but I think it's multifaceted. I think that it is important to have the individual in therapy, but with sex addiction in I would say the main cause of people coming in for help with sex addiction is because they've been caught. And so usually they've been caught by their partner. And so it's important to for... Define to me how, how you would define a sex addiction. Because if someone enjoys sex a lot, yeah. is that different than a sex addiction? Absolutely. I get okay. that question all the time. People well, say, isn't I sex <laughs> addiction just like someone who gets caught and needs an excuse? But I would say, like you were mentioning, that... Um, any type of addiction is like a repeated behavior that's causing a great amount of shame. Right. And there's multiple cross costs across different areas of their life. And despite the cost, they cannot stop. So it can be devastating and painful. It's not just that they like to have sex. I mean, sometimes it gets in the way of, of yeah, performing like their- they're having occupational costs, financial costs, relationship costs, spiritual costs. There's many different types of costs, and still they can't stop. And usually because of that, they feel great shame after they've engaged in the behaviors. And and aren't there a lot of times associated with sex addiction? It could definitely be drug addictions. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's so many cross addictions. Yeah, I, mean, I had gambling. a for a long yeah. time. Uh, I still see him, and he had a sex addiction. Mm-hmm. And then he got into crystal meth, and he mm-hmm. would tell me he would literally have sex for three days. Yeah, well... Chemsex is a big thing. And definitely with um, methamphetamines, it's definitely something that creates, um, I would say, hypersexuality. And so you see a lot of that, a lot of that. You know, I'm curious. We have a minute, uh, Bob, uh, from a medical standpoint, you know, how how would you approach dealing with, let's say, someone who had a sex addiction or, um, you know, a, a chemical addiction with it? Sure. I mean, I think it's finding the underlying cause. Is it to mm-hmm. help satisfy a need, satisfy a loneliness? And if the, you really feel that they're having a bona fide mental disorder that can benefit from medication, such as major depressive disorder, anxiety, 
attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. There's a lot of research that by helping with those disorders, the addiction can improve. We're going to take a break right now. We get back. We're going to talk more about treatment when it comes to being a cyber junkie. I'm Dr. G. I'm Dr. Raskin. And we'll be back after the commercials. You're listening to The Solution with Dr. G and Dr. Damon Raskin. I'm Dr. G and I'm here with The Solution with Dr. Damon Raskin. We're focusing on cyber junkies. Our question that we were asking is, are you a cyber junkie? And uh, with our last segment, what I wanted to share with our panel, one of the things I'm learning so much is how serious this this addiction is. And like you said, it can lead, cyberbullying can lead to suicide amongst teenagers. Absolutely. Gambling addiction. I had a, a, a cousin once who committed suicide many, many years ago because of uh, how much money he lost in gambling. Mm-hmm. And underneath it, obviously... I look back at it now as a professional, he had some serious issues of depression, which led to his suicidal behavior. But I wanted to stress that to our audience that if you are having any of these what we call behavioral or process addictions, that you need to take them seriously. What you're hearing from our panel is that there's a lot of help out there. You can definitely get it, and there's a lot of treatment that's available, and it's something that should be taken as seriously as any kind of drug or alcohol addiction. So, Bob, we were talking before the break about uh, treatments and your thoughts around sort of the medical and both the psychological side. Yeah, again, so with the medical, really find out what the underlying issue is. Again, if it's someone who's depressed, who's isolated, who's anxious, who has attention deficit disorder, um, there are medications that can be helpful, antidepressants, stimulants under close supervision, etc. And hand-in-hand with therapy as well, both individual and in the case of teenagers, a lot of family therapy as we mentioned before, a lot of modeling behavior by parents. Kids pick up what they see. And with teenagers, they are just starting to form their identity, their sense of being. It's already hard enough to be a teenager. You multiply that by social media, digital media, having everything plastered and advertised. It can be very hard to navigate these challenges being a teenager. And I think what you said is so important that um – you know, as parents, you have a responsibility to help your kids process through all the information. And and kids, I mean, this stuff that's coming up, parents just know very little. I mean, the kids, you know, they're they're literally born with a phone. Yeah, yeah. In yeah, our yeah. society, yeah. I know how many times, you know, I just got a new car, and the uh, navigation system is so complicated to me. And the guy who sold me the car was probably like 23 years old. <laughs> and he, all he kept on saying to me is, you know, Dr. Glass, it's just so easy. And I just looked at him and said, no, it's no, not. No, this is second nature. And we. this is mm-hmm. our chance to really get a hold That's of learning this technology. I said, I grow up with this. I had an electric typewriter. That was technology. <laughs> I had an eight-year-old educating me about I, I, like <laughs> things the other day. It was yeah. quite humbling. <laughs> I know. I know. Whenever I need something on my computer or ask my kids. I ask, I ask some, my kids. My yeah. 11-year-old is the household... Yeah computer, phone, everything expert, Yep, which so, is scary. but So, Bob, if people wanted to find out more about your work or get in touch with you, how could they do so? Sure. Um, you can reach me through Destinations for Teens. Our website is www.destinationsforteens, all one compound word, .com, um, or at my office, 310-775-8337. Say that again. Area code 310 <laughs> 775 
And uh, if you miss any of that information, you can always contact me, Dr. G, at drhowardglass.live.com, and I will forward that information from to Bob. Happy to help. And uh, Dan, your thoughts about gambling and treatment and what's important for people to know? Well, in the first session or so, you really have to emphasize the negative consequences of gambling because people don't remember the losses and they remember the wins, even though they're there in front of you. So I try to emphasize the walk back to the car, the drive home, the feeling of despair that gambling causes, because it's important that we both understand the depth of the pain that gambling has caused. You know, the just bottom, like using a will. substance, a lot of times right. people remember they don't they remember the high, they don't remember you know the the depression that comes with the recovery. And, and, and if you lost all your money gambling, can we still afford your treatment? Dan? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean that's a good lead-in because yeah. my program yeah. through the UCLA Gambling Studies program is no cost. So if you have a gambling problem, you can call me directly. Go ahead, give out your two one three three five nine seven seven two two or Google me, Dan Field. And um, it's um, eight and maybe 15 sessions of free professional counseling for gambling addicts and their family. That's amazing. So, that's great. That's great. Yeah. No, that's great that you have that. And I, I also want to emphasize to a lot of people out there that these are complex issues. And even if you get 12 to 15 sessions, that doesn't necessarily mean you're healed after 12 or 15. But you might have some sort of foundation to start working with. It definitely builds a foundation. You know, those, those this is first a lifelong few months issue. Of, of treatment. And whether or not you're going to get engaged in GA, which many people do, Gamblers Anonymous, or just stay with therapy, um, it's important you that you realize that this is a lifelong addiction like drug addiction. And it's yeah, really... Very devastating. And it could sneak up on you anytime. It can. And Lauren, your thoughts about what we're talking about as far as what's the most important thing for people to consider when they have a sex addiction? Well, I think like any addiction, I think it's multifaceted. I think that the approach is first also helping them to understand the depth of the consequences that have come from their addiction, especially you know, when we're talking about sex addiction and porn addiction, many people don't even understand or have the knowledge about what porn addiction can cause in terms of like sexual dysfunction and relationship issues and intimacy issues. I think so. I think recognizing the cost, psychoeducation, and then, you know, at some point really getting into the underlying trauma. And there's many different modalities to treat that. And that's what I'm hearing from everyone tonight. Mm -hmm. That's so important for our listeners to hear that mm -hmm. underneath these addictions, most of the time there's a, a strong behavioral component yeah, like trauma definitely. or depression or That's something. Right. That's right. I mean, what I was going to say is that yeah. it's internet addiction is not necessarily the thing you always want to focus on. That could be just a symptom or the thing that of gets something you into larger. Treatment. That's right. So mm -hmm. although it's important to recognize if you're a parent of a kid and they're always on the internet or always on the phone or they're getting cyberbullied, that could be just a symptom. And that's just a red flag that it's time to get some help to figure out what could be going on underneath it all. Right. My <laughs> one question I, with addicts is like, what are they running from? What are they trying to escape? That's because right. As a somatic therapist as well, one of the things as we look at like fight or flight, addiction is like the flight response. It's running, escaping, numbing, trying to get away from feelings not, we don't want to feel. Not wanting to stay within your body. Mm -hmm. And that and, could be internet. It could be sex. It could right, be gambling. Any it could addiction, be anything, right? Yeah. And Lauren, if people want to get in touch with you, how could they do so? They can call my office at 310-210-7934 or our website, which is 
triune, T-R-I-U-N-E, therapy.com. And I'll repeat that again. If you miss any of that information, you can always contact me, Dr. Howard Glass at live.com, and I will forward that information to any of our panelists. Uh, Dr. Raskin, your thoughts about, uh, you know, sort of what you think are uh, some of the most important issues you bring up with patients who, like you said, may come in with, you see, I think for you, a lot of times it might be the reverse. They may come in with an addiction towards alcohol, alcohol or opiates. But then you also find out that there's a behavioral addiction. Exactly. That's really common. And so we have to treat all of it and look for the underlying cause. The nice thing is if it's just internet addiction, there's no detox, there's no medications needed, right? There could be medications if you have an underlying psychiatric disorder, but you're not going to go through, you know, alcohol well, shakes. Could, what about if, right. What, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. But what about if, if the internet addiction has to do with let's say anxiety that could you treat the anxiety absolutely to help yes with definitely yes yeah. you definitely want to treat the underlying anxiety disorders and oftentimes the rest will will follow and will improve so um and bob your thoughts on that you feel yeah the same if way? the internet d- addiction is a sign of someone who's very depressed very lonely and that's how they reach out to the world and yes medication can definitely help talking about suicide earlier one of the biggest links to suicide is having loss of hope, loss of connection with anyone. And sometimes going online allows you as a teenager to get the connection, but it can morph into something that can be overused and become addictive. You know, and, and, and I'm thinking about what you said right now, and I flashed on to dealing with a patient who had an Internet addiction. And um, I, I couldn't take it away from him too quickly. It had to be a gradual process. He couldn't get off of it completely because if he took away his relationships with people online, he really had no friends. Right. Yeah. So what we try to do is get him in real time, in real life, to start socializing with people and realize, you know, as I worked with his parents, how awkward he was socially. Like he didn't. And then as he started to have that new experience, it's such a sign of the times. We were able to sort of normalize the internet use. That's wonderful. So uh, we have just a minute left. Let me uh, couple minutes. I'm going to go around. Any final thoughts to our audience around uh, internet addiction, cyber junkies, uh, Lauren? Quick. Yeah, one thing I wanted to piggyback on what you just said. I think underlying all addiction is an intimacy disorder, and I do so. Too. You know, there's it's an attempt to control intimacy. And so there's some fearfulness or some avoidance or some awkwardness. And as you were saying, I think it's really important, you know, especially when you're talking about porn addiction, to get people out of isolation. And community is so important well, just as a basic is, human need. Yeah, addiction yeah. so much is about isolation. It's and so that's isolating. why things a lot of times like 12-step programs are so powerful yeah. because of the community they create. Dan? Yep. Oh, no, I was interested in what you said because I was reading, uh, I went to Japan this past April, and there's a big thing in Japan about the birth rate is becoming less and less, uh, and it's because that uh, men and women aren't having sex anymore, they're having sex online, and they're not getting together, and it's a big cultural issue where they're not actually meeting up, they're meeting Mm. up online in Japan, Mm -hmm. and it's really actually becoming an economic problem. That's I want to really thank. Interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. There's a whole other show there. <laughs> well, you, you heard that article where millennials would rather have their Amazon. They'd rather give up sex than their Amazon Prime account. And it was like wow. I can't remember the number, but it was like a vast majority. I want to thank everyone for coming on the show. I know we've just touched on the subject. It's very complex, but we, I hope we've been able to give our audience some good information and inspire them to move forward if they're having a problem with a. 
addiction to get the help they need. I'm Dr. G. We'll be back next week. This show furnished by Key Light Counseling Center.